so good to be with you today. Uh, we're in a series right now called, Do You Remember When? It's a phrase that we often say when we get together for Christmas gatherings. Do you remember when? Not just Christmas, but whenever family gets together. Do you remember when? We asked that question uh, to the online church earlier today. And uh, we asked the question, do you remember a particular Christmas present that you got? Like, what's one that stands out to you? One person said a boombox. Remember boomboxes? I tried to get one not too long ago. It's like, you can't. We're just, nope. Streamer. Nope. No boomboxes. Get them on eBay. Another person said, Natasha said that her a Christmas present she'll never forget was having a baby. Like, that's a, I mean, that trumps whatever I'm about to share. It's a good one. It's a good Christmas present. <clears throat> I remember when I got a particular Christmas present. I was really little, and my brother and sister handed me this, this gift all wrapped up. And they said, this is for you, Adam. And I said, awesome. And they said, this is from Santa. And I was like, wow. And I opened it up, and it was a cap gun. Remember cap guns? It was a cap gun. I loved it, and I was so confused. Number one, it was made out of plastic, and Santa worked in a wood shop. <laughs> I didn't understand it. And secondly, if Santa made this, if Santa and his elves, elves made this, why did he bother putting a cardboard back and a plastic front on it? I didn't get it. I just was wondering, how could this be? How could this be? I don't get it. And then, and then I found a bowl of Hershey Kisses that Santa left for us. I was so happy Santa left Hershey Kisses. But I was really confused because he put them in a bowl that apparently he got from my cupboard. I was like, how could this be? And I remember my mom was pulling me out of the kitchen cupboards. She's like, what are you doing, Adam? She's pulling me down. I'm like, I got a seed. She's like, what are you looking for? I was like, a white whisker. Maybe there's a clue inside our, because he was in here. Maybe. I just couldn't understand it. He, he took all this time to bring the Hershey Kisses to me, but he didn't bring his own bowl? How could this be? You remember that magic of Christmas? Maybe you still feel it. Like we went around yesterday, we looked at some Christmas lights as a family. It's like, look, Christmas magic. It's just lights, but it felt like Christmas magic. Remember that feeling? Christmas magic feeling. How could this be? Maybe you're asking about some, something mysterious in your own life today. How could this be? How could this be? God supposedly loves me, but my spouse left me. I can't, get, I can't get a date. I can't seem to get what I need from my teacher or from my boss. How can this be? If God loves me, why is this happening? Or maybe your mystery is a little, little different. God owns a cattle on a thousand hills. I know that. So why can't I even make a dent in my debt? How can this be? Or God, God wants what's good for me yet I'm unemployed, yet someone died, yet I still feel lonely. Anybody have any mysteries in your life? How can this be? How can this be? Good thing is you're not the first person to ask that. How can this be? 
See, Christianity is filled with a lot of things and, that seem to be opposite. They seem to, to be contradicting. This can't be true and this, but they're, they're, they're not. They, they do go together. And we're going to talk about that idea today. How can this be? Uh, one of the people that asked that question in the Bible was Mary, who we're going to look at today. Um, let's see, last week we learned in Luke chapter 1, verse 31, the angel told Mary, you will conceive and give birth to a son, and you are to call him Jesus. All right, so imagine being Mary, and an angel says, you're going to have a baby. You're confused. And so she responded, verse 34, how will this be? Mary asked the angel, since I am a virgin. How will this be? How can that happen? That's not how it works, Gabe. Number one, God's bigger than your doubt. God is bigger than our doubt. You know, Mary didn't say the words that are recorded, uh, but, but perhaps she was thinking, you're nuts. You're a little cray-cray. <laughs> Maybe, I don't know. I wasn't there. Some things in our Christianity just don't make sense. How can this be? How is that going to happen? Some things in Christianity are like that. John chapter 3 says, says, the wind blows wherever it pleases. You hear its sound, but you can't, can't tell where it comes from or where it's going. So it is with everyone born of the Spirit. So it is with those of us who are Christians, who allow God to lead our lives. Some things are a little can this be? God is bigger than your doubt. The wind is like the spirit at work in our life. And sometimes it's a little mysterious. Anybody heard God works in mysterious ways? Sometimes it's a little mysterious. And when God works mysteriously, sometimes we faulty people doubt. God's bigger than it. We hesitate. We pause. We wonder. So Mary asked the question, how can this be? It wasn't an argument. It wasn't a lack of faith either. It was a question. It's okay to ask questions because God can handle your doubts. We live in a world that's filled with uncertainty. Don't get down on yourself like you're some sinner if you have a doubt or feel uncertain. It's really normal for people to feel uncertain in uncertain times. And God can handle it. He doesn't give up on you. Amen. Let me prove it. Abraham was called, and then he asked God for proof. Like, prove it, basically. Genesis 15, 8. Abraham, was, Abraham laughed when he was told he was going to have a child in his old age. Abraham tried to manipulate things to force what God said was going to happen to happen. God can handle your doubts. Moses was called. And he said, I think you got the wrong guy, God. Pick somebody else. Exodus 3, God can handle your doubts. Gideon was called mighty warrior. And Gideon said back to God, well, if I'm so mighty and God's so good, where is he? Why are we having these problems? Judges 6, God can handle your doubts. The great prophet Samuel, Samuel of all people, was told to anoint King David. And he replied to God with an excuse. 1 Samuel 17, Saul's going to kill me. God can handle your doubts. The disciples thought that they were going to drown Jesus didn't fire him. Get a, new, get a new rabbi, fools. God can handle your doubts. Thomas had to see it to believe it, but Jesus still kept him close. God can handle your doubts. In one page, 
David went, if you have your Bible spread out, you can see on one page, Psalm 143, 7, he goes, he says, answer me quickly, Lord, my spirit fails. Two, great is the Lord and most worthy of praise. His greatness no one can fathom. In one spread, he goes from, where are you, God? Are you even here? To, God, you're awesome. You're the best. I want to follow you forever. And that guy was called a man after God's own heart. The guy that couldn't seem to just say, this is what I, every moment is unshaking. God can handle your doubts. Mary didn't end this discourse with the angel. She didn't end it with, with uh, uh, I understand, Gabriel. Thank you so much for answering all of my questions. I'm very prepared to have my conversation with Joseph tomorrow. She didn't say that. <laughs> she didn't say any of that. She just said, it was kind of my, my paraphrase. She said, well, okay. It's my paraphrase of what she said. Okay, let it be. It wasn't doubt, but it was how? How? It was a question. This doesn't work that way. Your momentary doubt or confusion or uncertainty does not stop God. You and I see things naturally, but when we're dealing with God, we have to remember, number two, God supersedes nature. He supersedes nature. Gabriel says, Mary, you're going to have a baby. And she says, do I need to explain this to you, Gabe? Can you explain it to me? How does, that's not how this works. So the angel answered, the Holy Spirit will come on you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. So the Holy One to be born will be called the Son of God. It's the Son of God. By the way, keep that verse up. Do you see the Trinity? The Trinity is several places in the Bible. The word's never used, but the idea of the Trinity is throughout scripture. And here's one spot. The angel answered, Holy Spirit will come upon you, God the Holy Spirit. And the power of the Most High, God the Father, will overshadow you. So the Holy One, Jesus Christ, will be born, will be called the Son of God. Father, Son, Holy Spirit, right there in one verse. This is the virgin birth. It supersedes nature. If you ever thought something was impossible, you don't now. Like this is... Nothing's impossible. Right. If you want to teach, I mean, how, how mysterious is that? That a virgin gives birth. This is impossible, right? Yet with God, all things are possible. If you want to teach your kids about Christmas magic, this is Christmas magic. Maybe don't teach your kids about... <laughs> when they're older. <laughs> Talk about the Christmas magic. Okay. I just realized that was maybe, maybe not wise advice. <laughs> But this is Christmas magic right here. This is the mystery of Christmas, the virgin birth. This is a big deal for Christians. It should be. It should be a big deal for Christians. It has to be this way. The virgin had to give birth. Let me pack in some Christology here. Here we go. Jesus Christ was born. He was not created. He was born, not created. He always was. Colossians chapter 1 says, The Son is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn over all creation. Today we're remembering when God revealed himself to man. The son is the image of God, the father. He's the image of God. The firstborn over all creation. So at Christmas, Jesus came as the revelation to us. For in him all things were created, in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, 
whether thrones or powers or rulers or authorities, all things have been created through him and for him. So at the very beginning, Genesis 1.1, in the beginning, God. And we often think, God. But do you know what else, according to this passage? There was God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. Jesus Christ. And right now we think of him as coming as a baby. But, but that's what he did. He came. He wasn't made as a baby. In Genesis, there he was at creation. When there was nothing, there he was. Before that, well, there he was. See, he was born, but he was not created. Christmas wasn't the beginning of Jesus. He always was. Jesus is fully God and fully man. It's one of the only things where 100% plus 100% still equals 100%. How is this possible? I don't know. Christmas miracle. Jesus was fully man because he was born of man. He was fully man from Mary and fully God from God. Fully God from Mary, fully God from Father God via Holy Spirit. He didn't give up his Godship to become a man. He was God in the beginning and he stepped into humanity, remaining God. Doesn't seem to make sense. It doesn't. God supersedes nature. That's what I'm saying. And it had to be a virgin birth. Salvation depends on it. Our life depends on, our, our eternal life depends on a virgin birth. It had to be. See, there was a thing called uh, original sin. The first sin was Adam and Eve. They sinned. And because of that, it passed down through the Father, through all generations. And thank you, Dad. He gave me my sinful nature. His dad gave it to him, and I gave it to my, my kids. David says, Psalm 51.5, he says, surely I was sinful at birth, sinful from the time my mother conceived me. Now, he hadn't committed a sin, and he's not saying the act of uh, conception itself was sin. He was saying, I received my sinful nature. Jesus didn't receive his sinful nature. He didn't get it from Joseph, because Joseph wasn't his dad. He was just presumed to be dad. He received his godly nature from his father, Father God. Am I making sense? Because of that, he didn't have his own sins to pay for. He only had mine to pay for. Hebrews talks about how uh, Jesus is the great high priest. And in, in the Old Testament, the priest would have to offer a sacrifice for their own sins and then pay for the sins of everyone else after offer a sacrifice for all the rest of the nation. Jesus didn't have to do that because he doesn't have to pay for his own sins. He only has to pay for ours. And he was the ultimate forever sacrifice. And if he, had, if he had been not born of a virgin, then there would not have been that situation where he could die for everyone else's. So because of the virgin birth, he was able to die for us. His sacrifice can count for me. And only God could do it. Isn't that amazing? Only God could do it. Here's the third point we're going to see from this story in uh, the book of Luke, God confirms his word. God confirms his word. The angel continued with Mary, uh, verse 36. Even Elizabeth, your relative, is going to have a child in her old, old age. See, so the angel just told Mary, you're going to have a baby. And Mary says, I don't understand how that could happen. And the angel says, even Elizabeth, your relative, is going to have a child in her old age. See, we're con he's confirming the word. And she, who was said to be unable to conceive, is in her sixth month. For no word from God will ever fail. 
Isn't this amazing how God confirms his word? Even what the angel just said in Luke chapter 1 is a confirmation or a fulfillment of prophecy in Isaiah 55, where, where Isaiah wrote, so is my word that goes out from my mouth. This is talking, read the whole chapter. The whole chapter is talking about the coming Messiah of Jesus. So is my word that goes out from my mouth. It will not return to me empty. It's referring to Jesus, but will accomplish what I desire and will achieve the purpose for which I sent it. It's the same thing that the angel just said. How awesome is it that the Bible fits together? There's a bunch of prophecies in the Old Testament that are fulfilled in the birth of Christ. The Bible fits together. This is so exciting. And when you submit your life and believe with faith, your life will start to fit together. It might not look at it today. It might look confusing today. It might look confusing next year. But when you submit your life fully to the Holy Spirit, it starts to fit together too. You can look for signs and wonders today. The uh, common characteristic of Christ's ministry was signs and wonders. And you can look for them today. Maybe it's a flat-out miracle. Maybe it's an arrangement of of events that could only be God. Maybe it's an impression in your heart. Gideon was was told, "You're you're a mighty warrior, multiple times. And he kept asking God, give me another sign. Give me another sign. Give me another sign. And God was patient with him. Because there was still faith. Because there was still buy-in. That's number four. God requires buy-in. God requires buy-in. Luke chapter one says, I am the Lord's servant, Mary answered. May your word to me be fulfilled. Then the angel left her. My paraphrase, I said it a minute ago, was, well, okay. She didn't say, I fully understand everything. All my questions are answered. Now I'll believe you. Now I'll have faith. Mary wasn't an idiot. She had to have still had some doubt. She had to still not fully understand. Yet she trusted. Is it trust if you fully understand everything? Like, okay, now I'll trust. Trust doesn't begin until you believe what you can't see. Like, it doesn't take much faith. I'm not, like, I'm enacting my trust right now. Ooh, what an exercise. There's a floor here. I can see it. If I take another step, like Indiana Jones, that one, that's going to take some trust. That's going to take some real trust. Because I, I, I think I will fall if I take a step. I don't believe it that I will be able to stand. But she trusted. She just submitted. She had buy-in. She doubted, but she never doubted in the sense that she doubted God was almighty and had power. She didn't doubt in that way. She still had faith. She didn't lose faith. Another way to say it might be, maybe she said it in her head, I don't get it, but I'm still in it. Maybe you need to put that on your refrigerator. Write that on a card, put it on your window. I don't get it, but I'm still in it. I gave some examples of people that doubted in the, in the Bible. See, there was Abraham is a really notable one. Boy, did he manipulate what God wanted. God said, you're going to have a child, and I'm going to make you, you're going to be blessed. He's like, well, I can't have a kid with my wife, so 
I'll have a kid with somebody else. Boy, was he a manipulative guy. He could have just, he could have just flat out believed. He'd been like, okay, well, God, make it happen. But instead he, I would call that wavering. Yet Romans chapter 4 says, speaks of Abraham and says, yet he did not waver through unbelief. See, he doubted, but God was bigger than his doubts. He didn't waver through unbelief. He still believed. Never once did Abraham, oh, I'll keep reading. He did not waver through unbelief regarding the promise of God, but was strengthened in his faith. Everybody say faith. faith. And gave glory to God, being fully persuaded that God had power to do what he had promised. You can doubt. You can wonder. You can be puzzled. You can be confused. If you're walking in step with the Holy Spirit, you're probably going to be confused a lot. God is bigger than all of that. But at the same time, simultaneously, you can remain fully persuaded that God has the power to do what he promised. Keep faith. Jesus was patient with Thomas, who had to see it to believe it. But then he looked at him and said, it'd be even better if you believed without seeing. Jesus was patient with his disciples who thought they were going to die. But he still told them, you should have just believed. James teaches us about this too. James chapter 1 says, when you, when you ask, you must believe and not doubt. Because the one who doubts is like a wave of the sea blown and tossed by the wind. That person should not expect to receive anything from the Lord. Such a person is double-minded and unstable in all they do. That's who that verse is talking about. People that are serving two masters. Who, who are you going to trust? Jesus or the world? If you aren't trusting God, yeah, you will lose faith. You will lose faith. If you're not bought in and committed to Jesus, your doubt will have you falter about. But in the context of remaining bought in to the power of Jesus, in the context of, of trusting God no matter what, well, okay. If, if you can have that as your, as your root foundation, your uncertainty, your doubt will only help you lean towards Jesus, not away from him. I don't understand this, but I know you got this. I know you got this. That's what our doubt and uncertainty needs to do for us. I, okay, God. But for too, many, for too many people, the devil grabs that doubt. and We weren't rooted enough, perhaps. And we go, I don't understand this. I don't, I don't like the way my life feels right now. This is rough. This is hard. Why would God? Why would you? Yeah. And we run away instead of towards Let's let our doubt help us run to God. It'd be better if we believe and don't see. But he's the only one that has certainty. If life feels uncertain, you just got to run back towards him. If I'm making sense, say, mm-hmm. Jesus is okay being rock solid when you feel wishy-washy. As long as we keep our I don't get it, but I'm in it focus. Would you stand with me?
what Mary ultimately said was, may your word happen. The Old Testament prophesied that Jesus would be born to a virgin, and, and then Gabriel said, Mary, you're the one. You're the one. She says, I don't, I don't, that makes sense. He says, oh, it's, well, it's going to be. It's the power of God. It's going to come on you. Still doesn't make sense. I've even confirmed it with Elizabeth, the angel says. Still doesn't make sense, Gabriel, but I'm your servant. I'm the Lord's servant. I'm here to serve God. So let, let it happen. Let it happen. What surrender and submission is that? Wow. Will we be willing to have the same attitude? Whatever you want, God. I don't understand what's happening with my job, or I don't understand what's happening at school. I don't understand what's happening with my family. But I'm your servant. I'm here for you, God. I'm here to serve you, Lord. Amen. Are you willing to allow the word to happen to you? See, Romans chapter 8, verse 26. I'm going to read a couple verses out of the message translation. Are you willing for this to happen to you? Meanwhile, the moment we get tired in the waiting, God's spirit is right alongside helping us along. If we don't know how or what to pray, it doesn't matter. He does our praying in us and for us, making prayer out of our wordless sighs, our aching groans. He knows us far better than we know ourselves. He knows our pregnant condition. He, uh, in the context of talking about how he knows that we're looking for more. We're ready for more of God. And he keeps us present before God. That's why we can be so sure that every detail in our lives of love for God it's worked into something good. Let's pray. Lord, I pray that we would submit to the word that you want to work everything together for the good of those who love you. Yes. So Lord, we surrender and we submit to whatever you want to do in our world. Yes. Our lives are in your hand. God, even though we don't understand everything, we trust you. We're going to take that doubt, we're going to take our uncertainty, we're going to allow it to, to encourage us to run to you. Because in your hands, we can be certain. We can have faith. We trust in you. So, Lord, take all that we have. Yes. We worship you. We give you all praise. In Jesus' name.